go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we're very excited to be with you again today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church, and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched the lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And hopefully, through the ministry of this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, as well as parishes, to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're excited to have you with us. Mm-hmm. And we have initiated a series, Peter, that we believe is critical to the rebuilding and renewing of the American Catholic Church. And our series is The Call to Return to Biblical Christianity. We've been learning a lot about that. Yes. And we've been on an exciting journey into the Acts of the Apostles, where we are rediscovering some characteristics that we have learned what are behind what made the early Christians so powerful. Mm-hmm. This call to return yes. to biblical Christianity is truly challenging me, and I know it's challenging each of us to consider how we can start to live them. And we can live them first in our own lives, in our families, at the parish level, and yes, even at that national church level. Right. Now, in our last program, we discovered in Acts chapter 5 an amazing account of many signs and wonders that were being done by the hands of the apostles, and that more than ever, there were believers being added to the church, multitudes of men and women, and as St. Peter walked by, his shadow was releasing the healing power of God. That's amazing, too. I know. And this is where we began to see some work that the angels were doing and how they were helping the new believers. Peter, what did we learn last week about angels that we want to highlight uh, in our first segment? So, yes, Leslie, when this was going on and, and the apostles were working great signs and wonders and people were being added to the church— uh, last week, we, we shared that the Sadducees became filled with jealousy, and so they arrested all the apostles, and remember, they put them in a common prison. Then at night, something very amazing happened. An angel showed up, and he opened up the prison doors, and not only did he do that, but this is very interesting. He told them to go out and start preaching again the words of this life. So we, these angelic interventions that we talked about as we went on last time uh, showed interventions, angels giving instructions, and even assistance happening regularly in the Acts of the Apostles. We mentioned that in Acts 8, an angel directed Philip to a specific road that led him to share with the Ethiopian eunuch who took the gospel to Ethiopia. 
We also shared in Acts chapter 10, where an angel appeared to Cornelius and uh, said, God was listening to your prayers, and he directed Cornelius to seek out Peter, and this was when the whole church opened up to the Gentiles. Thirdly, uh, we saw in Acts chapter 12, an angel rescued Peter from prison, and also we mentioned, interestingly enough, at the end of that chapter, an angel, an angel struck Herod, and he died from worms. Very interesting. Then we close the Acts of the Apostles uh, time with angels showing up in Acts chapter 27, where Paul was just about ready to enter into that terrible shipwreck, but an angel appeared to them and to Paul and said that he would survive and he still had to stand before Caesar. I really enjoy going through all those scriptures, Peter, and hearing about the angels' interventions. And I don't think that I realized how big a part the angels played in the early Christians' lives. I think that we need their ministry now even more than ever. Yep. And then last week, of course, you put on your teacher's hat, and we learned that there are some different kinds or orders of angels that are mentioned in the scripture, right? So, yes, Leslie, we really want our listeners to become angel conscious. And I think even doing this message and researching this has made me more angel conscious since we started this. It definitely has made me more angel conscious. Right. So uh, in the scriptures, uh, St. Paul, both in Ephesians and Colossians, talks about different orders of angels. And then St. Thomas Aquinas took what St. Paul did and also the teachings from the Old Testament, and he divides the order of the angels into three hierarchies, each according, interestingly, to their proximity to God. And in that hierarchy, he places seraphim, cherubim, and the thrones in the first place. In the second area, the dominions, virtues, and powers. And then in the third order, the principalities, archangels, and angels. So, so there are a lot of angels around, like tens and tens of thousands and millions. Well, one thing, Peter, that we didn't really cover was the reality of Satan, who was also an angel, and the place that he played in the angelic world. What would help our listening audience to better understand how Satan became a fallen angel and the existence of evil? Right. A lot of people wonder, what is evil all about and where did it come from? How come evil exists in the world? And uh, f when God created angels and human beings, right, he w created them with a gift to choose to serve God. A and, free will. Yeah, mm -hmm. and with that choice also comes the option of not wanting to serve God. And this is how evil came into being because of a choice that one angel, Leslie, who chose to sin against God by not wanting to be obedient to the Lord's authority as Lord and Creator. And of course, that angel, that high-ranking cherub angel, was named Lucifer. And once he chose to rebel against God, Scripture reveals to us that he took a third of the angels, that's a lot, in rebellion with him. That's in Revelation chapter 12. So Lucifer then became the devil and Satan, which means accuser and adversary of God. And he and his fallen angels became devils and demons. But St. Michael, the scripture reveals, the archangel led the rest of the loyal angels against Satan and cast him and the fallen angels out of heaven. But the question comes up, you know, why did, why did Lucifer actually rebel against God and say, in, as, as it says in Latin, no serviam, 
no serviam, which means I will not serve. And there's interesting, some of the early church writers came up with this uh, as, a, as a theory. It's not proven, but a theory that as the, uh, the angels, uh, the bad angels sinned, many of the early fathers believed that in their pre-fallen state, as the angels were given a foreknowledge of humans, who would be inferior to them, as well as a foreknowledge that God himself, that is the second person of the Trinity, would be incarnated as a man. And they believe that this revelation angered Satan because it meant that he and the other angels would have to worship God incarnate. Lucifer and the other angels who fell were so proud of being superior to men that their pride and arrogance wouldn't allow them to worship Jesus Christ, the God-man. So that's a very interesting thought to consider. Well, Peter, do you think there's any goodness that still exists within the fallen angels? Do you think there's a possibility that they could repent since God, we know, is merciful to sinful humans who repent of their evil? Well, just for uh, uh, to answer that question, unless the catechism says no, that they've made their final choices and there's no repentance among the angels. Okay, well, there's so much to talk about and learn about when it comes to Satan and his place in the angelic world. But we're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll share another exciting dimension of biblical Christianity. I can hardly wait, because we are going to talk about St. Stephen, who is an example of a model disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening the radio and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating and um, at the same time I was learning about the faith particularly the apologetics Catholic radio building faith building vocations welcome back to our radio program go rebuild my church in this series we've been exploring the call to return to biblical Christianity and discovering the characteristics that made the early Christians such a powerful force. Peter, we're going to continue our journey now through the Acts of the Apostle, and we're going to be looking at chapters 6 and 7. What are we going to encounter next? So, yeah, Leslie, in Acts chapters 6 and 7, we encounter what I would say is a very special disciple of, of the Lord, and that is St. Stephen, one of my favorite saints. St. Stephen was uh, one of those first ordained deacons in the church, and he was also the first Christian martyr. In fact, the Greek word from which we derive the English word martyr, Leslie, literally means witness. And I think it's very interesting, Leslie, in the Catholic liturgical calendar that St. Stephen's feast day is December 26th, the day after we celebrate Christmas. And I think you know, if we can infer something there, that as we worship the Christ child and give our lives to the Lord, the next day, St. Stephen and his feast reminds us that it's going to cost us something to follow the Lord, right? And to be his witness. Yeah, and to be his witness. So I thought, I think that that's very interesting that the liturgical calendar even teaches that. 
So those that shed their blood for the faith are really the greatest witnesses also. They've been especially honored since the very beginning of Christianity. And Stephen was so conformed to Jesus in his holy life, and this martyrdom inspired the early believers as they faced the first round of brutal persecution that followed the death of St. Stephen. So again, the Holy Spirit and St. Luke inked a lot of words in two chapters of the Bible to talk about this St. Stephen. And so as an overview in Acts chapter 6, it contains the account of the choice, first of all, of seven deacons right in the church, right? And the apostles worked to continue the ministry of Jesus. And when they were doing that, some of the Greek-speaking widows were being neglected in their practical needs. And the apostles decided at that point to appoint seven men. Interestingly, they all had Greek names. Uh, so they're probably the Hellenist believers. And in doing so, the deacons extended the pastoral role of the apostles. That's been spoken about in Acts chapter 6. Of the seven ordained, church history tells us that Stephen was the oldest of the deacons and given the title an archdeacon, which meant the chief among them. Little is known about Stephen until we encounter him in Acts chapter 6. The scripture goes on to start talking about just what he was like. It said that he was a great preacher, and miracles started to be attributed to Stephen. And the Bible records that he was full of grace and power and did great wonders. And up to this point, Leslie, remember, we've talked about the apostles as doing signs and wonders. But this is the first time that signs and wonders are attributed to someone besides the apostles. It was kind of like another level of believers that were functioning in signs and wonders. Acts chapter 6 and 7 shows us that Stephen was accused of blasphemy because he was speaking against God and Moses in his preaching. And when Stephen was put on trial, several false witnesses came out and, uh, and accused him before the Sanhedrin to testify that he was guilty of blasphemy because he was charged with predicting that Jesus would destroy the temple. He was attacked in the same way that Jesus was. Yeah, exactly. The scripture says that he was filled with wisdom in his response, and he responded by detailing the history of Israel, which is pretty amazing, outlining how God blessed Israel and had bestowed all these blessings on his chosen people. But he then explained to the crowd that they, Israel became disobedient despite all of God's goodness and mercy. And then finally, to sum up, the, for our listening audience, those two chapters, he admonished the Sanhedrin and he said directly to them, you stubborn people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit just as your ancestors did. So those are pretty powerful words that enraged them even further. Yeah, he certainly wasn't politically correct when he was addressing (laughs) that group of people. So as Stephen concluded his defense, Leslie, he looked up and he saw a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, to quote him, he said, look, I can see heaven thrown open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Then it said the crowd rushed upon Stephen and carried him outside the city and stoned him. 
Then this was particularly offensive to him that he said he could see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Why is that, Peter? Well, it's because what he was doing, Stephen was putting Jesus on the level of Yahweh. Okay, he was saying implicitly that Jesus was God. One, inter- one other interesting thing, Leslie, that uh, takes place at the end of that reading is that this af- after they uh, uh, yelled at Stephen and uh, closed, clamped their ears, it said they stoned him, but as they stoned him, they laid their coats and cloaks at the feet of one named Saul of Tarsus. And this is the first time that we encounter Saul of Tarsus at the stoning of C- of Stephen. And of course, we know what transpires after that. Well, Peter, this is a wonderful summary of the account of Stephen in Acts 6 and 7. So I would encourage all of our listeners to read it for themselves. But I'm curious, why do you think the Holy Spirit through St. Luke gave Stephen such a prominent place in this part of sacred scripture? Well, listeners, you're going to have to stay with us because after we take this break, Peter will help us understand why he has such a prominent place. And we're going to learn more about how Stephen was a model disciple and how we can learn to imitate his example. Amen. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a ministry reaching out to central Indiana and beyond. We have information available about what's happening in parishes here in the Hoosier Heartland, as well as access to the latest from Rome, plus apologetics and authentic Catholic teaching. We are your source for 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Catholic Radio Indy and CatholicRadioIndy.org. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we are continuing our series, The Call to Rebuild the Church Here in America Through the Restoration of Biblical Christianity. In our last segment, we discussed how St. Luke and the Holy Spirit spent a large portion of sacred scripture, two whole chapters, speaking about St. Stephen and the role he played among these early believers. So Peter, let's go on now and explore why so much is written about St. Stephen. Yes, Leslie, in getting into this, St. Stephen becomes an important figure for all of us to go to as we continue to seek to go rebuild the Lord's church. St. Luke, I think, deliberately portrays the events of Stephen's life that recalls the life, ministry, trial, and death of the Lord Jesus himself. He's a pattern and shows that that life continued on. We see in Stephen, it is possible to imitate Jesus in every aspect of our earthly life. So Leslie, let's discuss some of those characteristics that made Stephen what I call a model disciple. Number one, Stephen had a servant's heart. We're introduced to Stephen 
as he volunteers to serve. Remember Jesus said in the scripture this, and I'll, I'll quote this because I love this, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave to all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Stephen's life, we begin to notice him, first of all, as a servant. And obviously, servanthood is an a very important factor in becoming a disciple of Jesus. And we know we all have many opportunities to serve within our families and in our parishes. But one of the things that I've learned throughout my life is that when we get the call to serve, it's not ever convenient, is it? Yeah, exactly. In fact, I think most of the time when we know God wants us to serve, there's things that we have to adjust and it does become inconvenient. Right. We have to lay our life down. Yep. Okay, so go on, Peter. What's next? So secondly, we see that the Scripture points out that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and God exercised his power through him, and he did great wonders and signs among all the people. In other words, Stephen was not afraid to pray for people, and he did it, I'm sure he did it with great vigor. Well, this has uh, been a focus of uh, the Encounter Ministries that we highlighted with Tom Ponchek several weeks ago, and that is really helping people encounter the Holy Spirit afresh. Mm -hmm. And that entire school of ministry has helping to equip Catholics in the here and now with a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and helping them to learn how to pray for people, which is part of how we've been supporting them, being part of their prayer teams. And we're learning, we've learned recently that they have a deep vision that the only way we can confront what's going on in our culture today is to really have a demonstration of the power of God by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so so, uh, a couple of the ministries that we consider partners with Leslie, both Uh, Encounter Ministries and also St. Paul Street Evangelization are really encouraging people uh, that are part of these ministries that when they run into situations where people have sickness going on in their life or they need a powerful answer to prayer to not just say, well, I'll pray for you, but on the spot. Lay hands if if people are open to that and pray for them that God's working power begins to start with them right then. Okay, so Stephen had a servant heart. He was full of the Holy Spirit. What else makes him a model disciple? So thirdly, if we read in Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen was what I would call very deep in Scripture, deep in Scripture. He gives a speech to the council and demonstrates a knowledge of salvation history that literally is jaw-dropping, I would say. He, he He knows the scripture. And like Jesus, Stephen knew the scriptures, and he used it to interpret all of life. And I really believe, Leslie, as Catholic Christians, we all should follow Stephen's example and really make it a point intentionally to grow deep in scripture. It's not uncommon to hear people comment that our Protestant and evangelical brothers and sisters know the scripture better than we do as Catholic Christians. Mm -hmm. So I think if you need help reading the scripture, a great place to start is Father Mike Schmitz, who has a Bible in the year broadcast, and it's actually a must. Yes, it is. And I've been doing uh, Father Mike's broadcast this year, and you're going to start 
this year, this new year as well, Leslie. Fourthly, um, Stephen represents a characteristic that I call uncompromising faith. He did not tolerate, like Jesus, hypocrisy and hard-hearted religious people. He said, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. That reminds me of Jesus in Matthew 23, Leslie, where he confronted the false religion that was being put out by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and Jesus called them hypocrites. So for us to practice uncompromising faith can be really difficult at times, but we as Catholic Christians have an issue today that really forces us to be unwavering, and that's our stance against um, abortion. Exactly. Uh, we can't be afraid to say that we're pro-life, and recently we've seen in some neighborhoods that people have signs now in their front yards that say, I'm pro-life, and that's been really, really fun to see that. Not fun, but really... Uh, and, motivating and, yeah, to see exactly, that. Exactly. So, okay, so the fifth characteristic that we see in Stephen that makes him the model disciple is his willingness to forgive. It's amazing, just as Jesus did, Stephen forgave those who were stoning him. Forgiveness towards those who hurt us and even harm us, Leslie, is modeled for us by Stephen just before he dies. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is once again showing us that forgiveness is a non-negotiable for those who want to be his disciples in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So one last thing, Leslie, to point out here in this broadcast is just before Stephen died, the scripture says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And in that, Leslie, I see Stephen showing us how a disciple dies, looking to heaven, seeing Jesus, and being full of the Holy Spirit. Right, and the church teaches us how to have a happy death, doesn't it, Peter? Yes. It provides mm -hmm. us with the sacrament of the anointing of the sick yeah. and the viaticum, which is food for the journey. Yes, amen. Um, so, Leslie, I think it would be good if we prayed for all of us here today, our listening audience, and for you and me as well, that we could become model disciples like St. Stephen was. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come upon us today, and we ask that you would give us the fire of your love in our hearts, just like St. Stephen had. Fill us, make us bold like St. Stephen was. Teach us that service is a gift from you, even if it's inconvenient, and may these characteristics of this great saint begin to work more deeply in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Leslie, in summary, and most important, again, Stephen becomes a prototype disciple. He demonstrates to us that we can indeed imitate the Lord and all that we say and do. And Stephen was formed by a process we've been discussing throughout this series that St. Luke presents to us on what exactly a disciple looks like. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much, audience, for joining us today as we seek to connect individuals and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. Now, if you'd like to hear our past programs, please go to catholicradioindy.org and press the big blue button in the top left corner of the webpage and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye, Goodbye and, and keep, keep the, the faith. faith.
You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 105.7.